Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rowing Chat, the rowing podcast. My name's Rebecca Caro, and I'm delighted today to welcome as my guest, Sybil Terrace-Gildmar. Sybil, hello. Hello, Rebecca. It's great to be with you today. Now, I am delighted that I was introduced to you because you are a rowing novelist. Tell us a little bit about how you came to want to write rowing stories. Oh, my goodness. Well, it came about um, my, first of all, I don't know if you know that I basically didn't start rowing till I was 69 years of age. And I think it's important for your viewers to know, your listeners to know that I'm approaching 88 and still rowing. And there's so that tells you that there's a certain passion for rowing on my part. And it didn't come to me easily. It didn't come when I went to school. It didn't come to me when I was a teenager. It came to me. And I was 69 years old and looked at the Schuylkill River and saw all these boats along Boathouse Row and said, this is something that I think I want to try. And whereas the average person maybe has four lessons, eight lessons, and then I became hooked. I got my single and I sort of did my thousand miles a year. Don't do thousand miles a year. So I really became hooked on rowing. And I sort of sort of sort out places in the world where I can row. Well, and mm-hmm. so I've rowed in Austin, Texas. I've rowed in Vermont. I've rowed in Virginia and Florida. And if there are places. So uh, in December of 2019, I think the world needs to know the next year was COVID. Uh, December of 2019, I had a grandson who spent was spending six months in Israel, and what do grandmothers do? They decide to visit their grandchildren, and of course, I found a rowing venue. I wasn't going to go just and visit. And in finding this rowing venue, I looked at uh, the club. You know, I looked at the the sign outside the club, and uh, rowed there nearly every day. And I said, "My goodness, found it in 1935." Well, if you know a little bit of history, I was born in 1935. You also know that was Palestine. That was not yet, you know, a country. That was not yet Israel. So when I came back, uh, that's what I thought about. And then I came back and COVID hit. And I then I about March or April, May, I decided to explore how did this, what the possibilities of how this happened, how did a rowing club get founded in Palestine in 1935? And there's a there's a website called Hear the Boats Sing. I don't know if you know that website, and it tells you very well. German Jew, yeah, that founded their way. They decided to leave Germany and find their way to Palestine. They saw the handwriting on the wall and they said it was time to leave. And that was the impetus for the story. And the, uh, so I did a bit of research of history, um, mm-hmm. but m- most of it is uh, comes from my imagination about thinking about the family. How do you decide? You know, how do you decide to leave? I think that's a big decision for a lot of families. So that's the basis. Let's. Yeah. Leaving your country as an emigrating is a terribly challenging decision. 
And unless you've done it, you can't appreciate it. And certainly doing it under the conditions that Jews were facing in Nazi Germany in the 30s was unique, to be sure. Tell us a little bit about how you researched what 1930s Germany was like, because there's a lot of period detail in your descriptions, everything from walking down the street, riding a bicycle, the father who goes to his newspaper office. How did you find out what life was actually like there? Oh, books. One of the best books I've ever read was this book by Klemperer, who was Otto Klemperer's cousin, who just has a diary of describing what it was like there on a daily basis and figuring out what the news meant, what the, uh, what the events meant, what the absence of food meant, what the presence of certain SS and SA people in the streets suddenly. So it was based mostly on the research of this Klemper book. And of course, you know, uh, the New York Times, uh, uh, Leon Footbanger wrote an article in March of 1933 that was published in the New York Times describing what his uh, feelings were about Germany and what was going on in Germany. So it was the New York Times, newspapers, and books, and this Klemperer book mostly, I would say, that gave me the basis for the information. Did you go and see any 1930s rowing boats? Like, did you go to the rowing museum in Britain or the one in, uh, I think there's one in Cape Cod? No, just uh, a lot of just what I saw, what I saw online, you know, yeah. But maybe for the next, maybe next year. And the hear the boats sing. Maybe next year. That's a great idea. Um <laughs> The Hear the Boat Sing website is a rowing history website. Had they specifically written articles about this period? Very short article. In fact, I, I wrote a very brief article and had a picture of the of the German Jews who were, they must have published it about 10 years ago, who were uh, those that left. And uh, then when I contacted them to say, do you have any more information? That was it. That was basically you know, all they had. They had that information that was on their website. And so when you had, you've actually visited this um, rowing club in Israel, founded in 1935, what's it called? Tel Aviv Rowing Club. Because it's oh, okay. very straightforward. And did, yeah, yeah. Did they have a history of, of the founding fathers or mothers or people who founded the club? You know what? Here's where I stand. I'm probably going to stand some No, and I'm waiting. But they've all asked for copies of the book, and I'm waiting to hear from them because I can say, being Jewish, that we are not quiet, and that I will hear it. <laughs> I will hear voices of approval or disapproval for, from them. So um, I am waiting to hear from them. Yeah. Can we take a little sidetrack down into history and the history of Zionism as a movement? I'm sure a lot of people listening won't actually know the context here. So could you just summarize for us what was Zionism? Well, I would say it came out of the belief that if you think of it, that Jews need a homeland. And I can give you the name of Chaim Herzog and who believed that 
They needed to found a homeland. They needed a place because they had suffered so much in terms of arbitrary persecution over the years. And I would say in many ways, arbitrary goodness over the years. I will go back to the first book that I read, which wrote with the Jew and the Pope, which talks about the Jews living a relatively pleasant life in Italy until a Pope decides to come along and establish the ghetto. You know, so there was sort of an arbitrariness for Jews in terms of where and how they could live in the world. It was sort of subject to the whims and the caprices of a particular ruler at the time. So Zionism came out of the desire to say, we have a homeland. We will be welcome in our homeland. We will maintain our own homeland. And nobody can say we will be banished arbitrarily. That's a very short, brief summary. And, but I think it, it. I think that's the essence of it. Yeah, and I think and it started around nine. Late eight. I would say I'm going to give you a date of late 1800s, about 1898. As they've been going early, for a long time. Yes, as early Israel as, was founded yes, in 1998. Yes, yes, as early as that. No, no, no. And there were yes, no, no, no. Zionism is. There were people who said, who understood because the persecution had been going on for so many years and said, unless there's a homeland, it's going to continue to happen to us. Mm. Now, I want to move on and talk a little bit in the book about the main character, who's a young man called George. He's coming of age. He's sort of leaving school. He's into university and he's the rower. How did you invent him or is he based on someone now you know what it's interesting for a woman to write about first of all at that time you know there were only male rowers so i just you know i just imagined a young man who you know was sort of going off to college very but listen i know a lot of young men at the club that i belong to who are passionate about rowing, who are sort of addicted. To, you know, I don't have to tell you, you interview a lot of people who are absolutely addicted to the sport, right? <laughs> so I know a lot of young men at the club that I belong to, which is the White Marsh Rowing Club, who are just addicted to the sport. That's what they live for. That's, you know, that's that's their passion. So I just said, mm -hmm. George is like one of these, one of these young men, you know. Am I, am and he's I, a very interesting man. Well, yes, because he doesn't start out being committed. He starts out being committed to rowing, right? He start, you know, and he doesn't, it's the mm -hmm. process. And I think this is what happens to people. There's, there's a process of deciding, of sort of growing into uh, the, the next step in your life. And George starts out being passionate about rowing. And it's not until that his coach says, you can no longer row here because you're Jewish, which was, which absolutely happened in Germany, you know, in about 1933, 34. Mm -hmm. Either you rowed for your own Jewish rowing club. As a Jew, you can no longer row in any other place. So as soon as that until that time, I don't think he was probably a committed Zionist. Until that time, he was, you know, many Jews were assimilated in Germany during that period of history. So he then he then decides that 
that uh, that incident that said you can no longer row here, and finding the uh, the Hebrew rowing club or the Jewish rowing club, sort of set begins to sort of set the ideas in motion and all the things that begin to happen around him. His mother used loses her position in the the symphony, which happened to the Jews. His father is desperately trying to keep this newspaper going, seeing how hard that is. So it's a slow process. Nobody wakes up first morning and it's a slow process, you know, when he begins to realize it's time to go. I'm intrigued by the amount of travel that actually happens in the book. And I'm very ignorant about what was possible in terms of travel in Europe in the 1930s. Did you have to have a passport or were there alternative papers that you had to carry? Because George first travels to compete at Henley with his old rowing club and then right. later travels to a regatta in Italy. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on that question. The only thing that I would say is that in order to get out of Germany, when the Jews needed to get out of Germany, they were required to get certain papers from the government. And they needed those papers, and then they needed a passport as well. So I'm sure that was part of the history mm -hmm. then, too. Good question, Rebecca. <laughs> Moving on, you I'm, I'm so inspired by the fact that you invented a completely new career for yourself after retirement. Are there lessons today for us living in 2023 from your writing? Oh, I would say the lessons that I've learned are mostly from rowing is that you find something to which you can do, to which you can be passionate about, to which you can engage with people if you want to, or just engage with the boat and the water, and just keep yourself mentally and physically as healthy as possible. And I think the issue for aging is really to be engaged. I also play music. I also, um, you know, play the piano and uh, play with musicians during the, other musicians during the course of the week. So I would say just for the idea of aging, you need to keep yourself both physically and mentally engaged. And I'm lucky my knees work <laughs> and uh, other body parts continue to work as well. Good for you. And uh, <laughs> I sincerely hope that I become, uh, I stay as active as you have done for as long as you've managed to. Sybil, people can buy the book in Barnes and Noble and online and Amazon. It's called Rowing Home by Sybil Terrace Gilmar. And it's available now, is that correct? It is available now. It was available from the 1st of January, yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. It's been a delight having you here. Have you got any final words or thoughts to share? Well, I would say, Rebecca, thank you. And I have to say thank you for all the rowing podcasts that you do that keep me involved. <laughs> that keep me interested, that keep me active and alert and keep me thinking about what's the next thing that I have to do in order to get better at rowing. So I say thank you. And anything that anybody does to expose humanity to rowing, I think is wonderful. 
And I do say if all the world rode, if everybody had the opportunity to row, I could almost guarantee peace. Well, that's a wonderful, wonderful thought. It's been a delight talking today to Civil Terrace Gilmar. This is Rebecca Carrot, and we are part of Rowing Chat, the podcast network for rowers. You can find out more at rowing.chat. Please leave us a review and tell your friends. We need more subscribers all the time. Goodbye.